right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Day 228. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window <clears throat> than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it uh, and to see God and not, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. We say that every single day, but we really mean it, right? We want you to see that uh, the Lord uh, has revealed himself, has made himself known, has uh, provided a means of knowing him uh, through his word. And so today <clears throat> we pick up with Ezra 9. Uh, today is the last day of the book of Ezra. And um, yeah, last time it ended off talking about how the exiles, remember my man Ezra, who's a high priest from the line of Aaron, and the people of God, more of the people of God had traveled 900 miles to come back to the hood, to come back to <laughs> the, the land, <laughs> the land of promise. And it says that the exiles who had returned from the captivity offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel. So that is 835. But when you come to nine, it says this. It says, after these things, stop right there. After these things, you see the wickedness of the people of God, even post-exile, right? And there's an aspect where this text is going to state. The Bible's going to try to show us that a real marriage can be a spiritual adultery, right? A real marriage can be a spiritual adultery. What do I mean? Well, here the text says that um, some of the post-exilic community had married in with the pagans, right? They had married in with non-believers. They had married in with foreign wives, the people of the land. And uh, you have to remember that God is not racist. He is not just trying to uh, preserve Jewish ancestry, right? He is not racist, but God is religious, right? In the best sense of the word. And what I mean by that is God had said he had commanded his people in the Torah that they were not to marry with the other nations. Once again, why? Because they will lead you away from following me. They would lead them into apostasy, right? They would turn their heart away from the living God and it, and it says that the people of the land, the foreign the foreign uh, wives that the people married, were committing detestable practices like the Canaanites, like the Perizzites, like the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Egyptians, right? Like the people that God had removed from the land, right? In the time of the conquest with Joshua, uh, they were as sinful as them. And so they were following other gods. They were into idolatry. And so when you get married, you are going to go into idolatry as well. So God is like, don't do it. Right. And so we see this text mentioning this here. And again, like their parents, like earlier generations, these folks had returned to their wicked deeds. And it's amazing because Ezra says this. Ezra says um, the text says it wasn't just all the people in Israel involved. It was also the Levites and the priests. It was also the Levites and the priests. So in other words, the very ones who were to be leading the people of God in faithfulness were the leaders in unfaithfulness, right? We've said it before on this podcast. Listen, a community uh, never rises to the standards standards that have been set. They just sink and fall to the level of their leadership, right? They fall to the level of their leadership and leaders set the tone for the community, for the people of God and the people follow, right? And so Ezra is going to allude back to the covenant with Abraham and even uh, Genesis chapter three, where he talks about the holy seed, right? The holy seed being tainted. God had set his people apart by saving them and they were to be a holy nation, a kingdom of, of priests. They were to be set apart from the world so that they could uh, bring the gospel, the good news to the world. And so he's aligning, he's harking back to not Israel's physical heritage necessarily, but their spiritual, their spiritual heritage more than anything else 
And Malachi is so interesting because Malachi is going to prophesy. We'll get to Malachi very soon. A lot of this stuff is happening at the same time. They're all in the post-exilic community. But Malachi is going to prophesy, fam. And he's going to come to the people and he's going to say, fam, no, no, no. Like some of the Jewish ex or, or exiles, yeah, um, they, they came and they were divorcing their, their, their previous wives to marry foreigners, right? And so all of this is going on. It's rampant sin. And Ezra is grieved, right? He is this high priest in the line of Aaron. He is deeply grieved over his people's sin. And so he intercedes like a good priest does on their behalf, right? He works out of his priestly role. And um, it's amazing because um, there's this doctrine in the New Testament that is, that is kind of um, unveiled in the New Testament called the priesthood of all believers, where we can intercede for each other, right? Where we can go into the presence of God on behalf of one another because we are all uh, a royal priesthood. Anyway, I love what he says, though, when he, when he has this confession before the Lord. He goes before the Lord, grieved, uh, uh, mourning uh, his people's sin. By the way, listen, we shouldn't, we should, right? We really should be grieved by our own sin, right? We really should. I think the Bible is really clear about that. We should be grieved though by the sins of our brothers and sisters, right? Like we really should. Why? Because we're one body, right? We're one people. So Ezra is grieved. He comes out the gate and he's talking to God. He says, um, he starts out saying our, right? Our sin, our sin, our sin. Ezra ain't do none, right? But I think we we see here once again that in some sense, we are accountable ourselves for our own uh, fidelity. But in another sense, we are accountable for one another, right? We're accountable for one another's fidelity to the Lord. It's the community's job to see to it that the community walks in covenant faithfulness, right? But Ezra is going to take on this corporate guilt and this corporate sin upon himself. And although he recognizes the goodness and the character of God, he says that he, that the God has punished them, right? And their ancestors for their iniquity, but he has given them relief. He has brought them back into the land. And so he praises the Lord, even in the midst of so much sin, right? And he's given them favor in the eyes of the uh, Persian kings but he, he he's super clear that the lord uh at the same time is uh not pleased right and you see that this priest takes on the corporate guilt and the corporate uh sin of the people of god and he goes before god as a means of interceding for his people and that points to the person and work of jesus christ right who is our faithful high priest not from the line of aaron but from the line of melchizedek because he forever lives to provide intercession for us all the Le levitical priests died but uh, jesus because of his glorious resurrection he has this indestructible life uh hebrews chapter 7 and he is forever before the throne of the lord uh interceding for his people and so you see i think this this shows us right that, that 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 they were you know marrying with foreign wives and that ezra has to go and intercede for his people that the exile or the um the the bringing of the people back from exile was not the final final and ultimate answer to the exile and it wasn't the final and ultimate restoration that the prophets had prophesied jeremiah ezekiel and isaiah right you see that the people still have this problem right it's their hearts are still messed up fam and so we see this is a moving forward of redemptive history but this is not the climax of redemptive history right we need the son of god to come and make things right once and for all ezra 10 comes and we see the people ass uh, assembling around ezra at Jerusalem and they are broken over their sin. They say, yo, we done fam. We done, we done, we done. Uh, so cash repent, repentance, uh, once again, requires real change. It doesn't requires, uh, uh, just require words and sorrow, but it actually requires a turning, a correcting of our ways. And so the people of Israel, 
uh, renew the covenant in a sense with God. And they say to him that, no, 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 like we're going to send our foreign wives away. We're going to like in this, we're going to cut that thing off. You feel me? Um, <clears throat> and so in, in, in scripture, when this type of covenant is made and renewed, it's an obligation. It's a binding oath. It's made where the names of the people are written down. And verse eight talks about, you know, uh, before there was even a such thing as like church discipline before there was even a church. It talks about, you know, how everyone who didn't come within three days, they were cut off, right? They were cut off from the, the post-exilic community, right? If you didn't bring your foreign wife, it was a wrap, right? Um, but they make the confession, they let them go. And I think that we have to remember, um, this text shows us some things about repentance, that repentance, man, can mean letting things go that you once held dear, right? Repentance can mean letting things go that you once held dear, but the things that you once held dear, you 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 have to realize uh, were ultimately sinful, right, and detestable in the sight of Yahweh. And uh, I think that um, Ezra wants us to know that uh, only after, uh, <laughs> like, only after a high priest has taken our sins before the Lord, uh, does that lead us uh, to actual repentance, right? Someone going before God, going before the throne, and saying, uh, and bearing the sins of a community uh, of, of people, uh, leads a people in the right way to follow the one true God. And the Lord Jesus has done that for us. And we see in the exiles time, they needed the same savior that we need, right? And we'll learn more about these post-exiles uh, in Ezra, Nehemiah, or in Nehemiah in uh, the following books in the Old Testament. But I think it's clear that they need a Messiah, right? They need a Christ. They need Jesus, the son of God to come and make their community, right? He could provide the restoration that Ezra, Nehemiah, and none of the other, uh, leaders in this time ever could. Let's pray. God, we ask <clears throat> that our eyes would be lifted towards Jesus. Uh, we would consider Jesus the apostle and high priest, uh, of our confession. Uh, I pray Lord that we will remember <clears throat> that he has gone before us, uh, to the presence of God to make atonement for us, Lord. And I pray that we will remember, uh, <clears throat> what he's done on our behalf. And I pray that it will lead us to live in a different way today. It's in Jesus name we pray.